Hello all and welcome back to another episode of Movies and Us, a weekly gathering place filled with conversations about movies, stories, and connection. My name is Jennifer Hahn. And I'm Sarah Callen. And today we are going to be reviewing the film Promising Young Woman. And we are joined by two special guests. You've heard them here on the pod in the past. Nate and Patrick are back, y'all. We are continuing on our, apparently it's a trilogy now, a completed trilogy with this movie on movies that cover some gender politics and gender issues. So we're excited to dive into this combo. All right, so Nate and Pat, do you want to introduce yourselves? Sure. Uh, I'm Nate, a uh, friend of the pod, and hopefully here for a friendlier conversation than <laughs> past times. <laughs> no promises. <laughs> why, why do you Why do you gotta set set the mood like that? Um, <laughs> this is Pat. I am back again as well, a friend of the pod, and I'm looking for this experience to just be whatever it chooses to be. Ah, how calm and zen of you. Yes, of course. After our House of Darkness experience from last time, (laughs) come ready to receive whatever happens. Love it. (laughs) We'll see how this goes then. All right, Sarah, do you want to kick us off with an IMDb summary for Promising Young Woman? Sure. A young woman, traumatized by a tragic event in her past, seeks out vengeance against those who crossed her path. All right. So before we dive into our one-sentence summaries, some quick context on why we're reviewing this movie that came out a couple of years ago. Um, We started this conversation way back when with men, um, where we had (laughs) Nate and Pat on the pod to talk about men. It was after like an A24 gauntlet. Then our uh, dear friend Pat here suggested we watch House of Darkness as an as another follow-up or another type of movie that covers uh, gender politics and then we we decided hey let's let's talk about this one as well which covers it from a very different angle so that's that's why we're here talking about this movie from well, like 2020 or something like that um all right I'm curious to hear both of y'all's thoughts so let's see if your one-sentence summary reveals anything any clues uh Nate, do you want to share your one-sentence summary for a promising young woman? Sure. So my one-sentence summary is a searing indictment on rape culture and nice guy self-delusion, but too many twists muddies the message. A reveal there. We'll have to dive into that. Patrick, I'm curious your thoughts. A young woman's drive to avenge her friend's abuse leads her down a dark spiral of contempt, heartache, and redemption. All right. A little bit more neutral. No clues there, really. We'll have to wait a little longer for your thoughts. Sarah, what was your one-sentence summary? Mine is a masterclass in using scheduled texts. (laughs) 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 That's Um, good. It's funny, actually. So Sarah and I reviewed this uh, when it came out, the year that it came out. And my original one-sentence summary is pretty similar to yours, uh, Nate. Uh, I think I'd mentioned something about feeling muddled as well. Something's growing on me over time. So my one-sentence summary now is the justice of empathy against misogyny is searingly sweet. Also use searing. Yeah. All right. So let's dive into our initial thoughts of this movie that we can unpack yeah, with your perspectives on this a little bit more. Um, 
this came out a couple years ago. So if you haven't seen it yet, we recommend checking it out and we're just going to dive right in. So there will be spoilers. Okay. Um, Pat, since you didn't get to share really your thoughts yet, let's start with you. What were your thoughts about Promising Young Woman? It was okay. <laughs> All right. Unpack uh, that. I appreciate it. like three sentence punchy reviews. I, I appreciate no, 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 no. Come on. Don't even utter <laughs> words in that movie in the same sentence. Um, <laughs> I, I respect and appreciated what it was trying to drive in terms of messaging. I think largely I enjoyed the ride, but it felt very predictable and started feeling redundant after a certain point. Even the ending? Not the the final ending no but it reached a point where i was like oh i see what happened here so there's this buildup of like why she's doing this and the reveal of why she was doing it when it finally did come i had basically said 40 minutes before like okay she's mad at this dude because this dude raped her friend and her friend committed suicide and that was before either of those were confirmed. I mean, the I feel like it was pretty obvious that the guy in question was the abuser, but like the suicide thing was not mentioned at that point and not mentioned for a while. So yeah, it was all right. Wow. Okay. I don't think I've seen you that, uh, non-opinionated ever in my life so this is this is new (laughs) we'll have to unpack that a little bit more uh all right nate what about your thoughts um yeah i I think overall i i liked it quite a bit um i think technically it was pretty perfect i don't really have any criticisms in that regard i thought it looked great the soundtrack was excellent um i thought the all strings version of toxic is like there's no reason ever to hear that song in any other way. <laughs> that was that um, was awesome. That was, really <laughs> that was fantastic. Yes. Uh, I thought the performances were uh, very good. Obviously, Carrie Mulligan was incredible. Um, she deserves any uh, accolades that are thrown at her for this. Um, and I thought casting Bo Burnham was very shrewd. Um, I thought he did fine in the movie, but I think uh, just because of like my and i think a lot of people's natural sort of uh uh sort of respect and trust for him as an artist like like allowed me to very easily get lulled into like the same sorts of um uh like false sense of security there uh uh even with like the the red flags like i thought that was a very sort of um i thought that twist that he was there was like a very uh, earned twist in my mind. I thought that was excellent. Um, And I didn't really see it coming. Um, But uh, yeah, I think the last 20 minutes kind of like didn't work for me uh, in in a lot of ways. Uh, I think it just started to like twist and twist and twist. And uh, yeah, I don't know how much we want to get into it, but those last oh, 20 we, minutes. We have an hour. We're going to get into it. Yeah, fall, we're going to get for me. Okay. Taking a 
pin in my head to come back to the last 20 minutes and um, why that potentially didn't work for you. Yeah. Sarah, this is, I think, second time watching it. Have you watched it since? Okay. Curious no, your thoughts on time. the second viewing experience. I had a great time again. Uh, I loved this movie the second time around. Uh, like Nate said, like technically it's so well executed. I loved the writing, especially like the dialogue is so witty, but I also think that the, the script as a whole does a really good job taking you on this journey with this character. And there's these huge tonal shifts that happen. And this time I, I was really cognizant of how the movie had primed me for that tonal shift before it happened. So it didn't feel like I'm just being like jerked around from like one thing to another. Um, so I was just really impressed all over again at how well executed this was. Had a great time. Would recommend. Uh, my first time watching this movie, I didn't, I didn't love it. I think there was things that it, it did that um, there's a lot of hyperbole in this in general. It's very stylized. And at the time I was like, man, with a topic like this, like, oh, it didn't sit right with me that we we're stylizing it in this way and, and kind of packaging up in this way. But upon a second viewing, I think that the it grew on me over time. And I think on, upon a second viewing, I think a lot of the hyperbole is grounded in a lot of truths about perspectives that people have about this topic in general. So while it's it's exaggerated in a lot of ways, um, so many of the things and people that Cassie encounters in each of those like little subchapters feel so intentional. And there's a lot of like smaller throwaway lines and things like that, that um, man, there's just like so much in like small comments that some of the characters would make that I'm like, we could unpack that. And there's just so much that that represents um, that I thought was really well done. So I was noticing a lot more of the smaller details and the smaller scenes that the movie chose to include um, of like everyday misogyny that happens that isn't um, as big as what happens to her friend, but even little things like the guy's cat calling her and her just staring them down or the comment that one of the guys makes like, why are you wearing so much makeup? You're so beautiful, but why are you wearing so much makeup? I and mean, it's just like that little scene in of itself can be unpacked in so much meaning. So it's noticing a lot more of those details. I feel like there's, with the exception of maybe the father and rightfully so, but there is not a single likable male character in this movie. I mean, to your point, Nate, Bo Burnham gets you in the beginning. I felt the same way. Yeah. And then as that builds, it's just like, damn it. Okay. I thought Bo Burnham was an excellent choice. I thought, yeah. it, and like with his, uh, his just natural wittiness, I thought like having him be like a bubbly, persistent, charming character, like the way he entered the film was just like, a perfect perfect choice yeah and that was one of my challenges with this movie at the beginning when I first watched it is that like in general we live in a society that's so um polarizing and in, in its opinions about things and a lot of that's because of the like super extreme language that we use or depictions that we use of of different perspectives and I was like oh like I don't love that this is kind of it feels like it's contributing to that but the second viewing like there's so many women that are also there's like a searing indictment of them as well and the roles that they played in this um 
the friend and uh, the dean, like this easily could have been like a um, all guys suck and women are all victims. And it, this movie is like not interested in that. It's like revealing a lot more um, just like how we react to these situations in general as people. And so there are women in this that are also judged and have that searing indictment. And I thought it was interesting that like the person that really like truly repents and has that like growth is the lawyer who is a man. And so it feels, I think, more balanced than this could have been, which was just a to- could have been just a total um, like female uh, empowerment revenge film. And this movie's like a lot more nuanced in its what it's trying to do. So let's talk about that ending, the last 20 minutes. I'm intrigued to hear, Nate, your thoughts on why it didn't work for you. And it sounds like, Pat, by that point, you're also like, uh, I kind of see this coming a little bit. And um, there are so many twists and turns that it didn't work for you as well. So let's unpack that a little bit more. Yeah. So, yeah. I think I'm still processing this movie. I just watched it yesterday, to be honest. Um, so Same. So I just don't know what it is, I think, is part of the problem. Um, that's why I say muddied. Because, um, you know, part part of it felt like it wanted to be a straightforward kind of like revenge joyride. Uh, it doesn't really commit to that. It kind of subverts your expectations. And um, she doesn't get like the straightforward violent revenge that you sort of expect. And then it's like, okay, now it's going to be like a character study that sort of like interrogates like the erosion of the self that happens like during like revenge pursuit and trauma fixation and that kind of stuff. And, um, and it's sort of like a bleak look at like, uh, I don't know, uh, just like, uh, abusers getting away with it basically. And I was like, that sucks, but okay. (laughs) Uh, And then there's like, I don't know, just sort of fantastical um, text message police ending, just like very much, I don't know. It just didn't work for me for a lot of reasons. It felt kind of tacked on, I think. Uh, And it felt like uh, for a movie that sort of, feels like it's interrogating and um, calling into question like a lot of our social systems and things like that to have a a movie that ends with like complete trust in uh, like the police to like uh, bring justice in a system that has already basically exonerated these men in the past just rang kind of hollow for me. Uh, and they only take away like the one guy, um, like there's no distribution of, of the video or like that's left sort of amb- amb- ambiguous or whatever. Uh, so I, th- I thought it rang a little hollow. It seemed like it kind of wanted to do everything. And I think it, for me, it didn't do any of them very well. Um, maybe I need to watch it again, but that was, that was my sort of, that's what I've been kind of chewing on the past day. So are you talking about that, like, uh, everything that happens after the cabin? So the whole wedding scene, that part, or? I think everything from the start of the cabin on, like, all Ah. of it together doesn't, uh, just in, in, uh, uh, 
I don't know. I was totally on board with the movie up to that point, and that's just like it feels like it wants to subvert your expectations too often in like the last twenty minutes. That it was like, be, you have to be something. What what are you movie? <laughs> uh, Where did so, you think the movie was going up until the cabin point? Where did you think they were going to go? I wasn't sure, honestly. I was I was on board with it going either way. So uh, okay. so if it ended with like like cut to credits uh with like burning pile of wood that would have sucked uh but i would have been like you know feels yeah. like it's saying something for sure like i feel like i need to think about it a lot uh and, and then it just kind of kept going on um and i don't know like i, I read a couple of reviews uh about about this also and the people that struggled with it also were like it just doesn't it, like it it doesn't feel satisfying for a few reasons like like she she kind of gets them in the end or whatever but it's like she's she's dead <laughs> she's doing it from beyond the grave uh and one one review put it really well um and it was like two women had to die for one man to get arrested and that's like that feels not satisfying in the context of like the topic that we're talking about here um so I think, yeah, that's kind of how it fell apart for me. Yeah, I was also not, I think I'm in a pretty similar space with you, Nate, in terms of the beginning of the cabin scene, with the exception of the music, was kind of the start of where it fell off for me. I think, I think that the way they, the, the writing went about it in terms of the sequence of events to me felt like it cheapened the richness of the movie and that's for me really why i kind of feel like it was okay it it was something that was like pushing really hard but it didn't end strongly in a way that felt congruent with the rest of the film and so it's kind of like eh leaving me wanting more. And so what I mean by that is like, when you think about the character, so one of the things I really did like about it that you were speaking to Jen earlier on was kind of like bringing to light the concept of internalized sexism and the, the women who are able to just dismiss these things that happen and make excuses. But then when they're put in a situation where they directly or indirectly could be a victim everything changes. I thought that was very clever. I I appreciated about uh, Carrie Mulligan's character is that she had this kind of way of finessing a situation where even though it seemed like she was out of control, she always controlled the room. Mm -hmm. And so having her go into the cabin and go upstairs and lose that control felt to me just like it cheapened the execution of like the big moment because mm -hmm. it doesn't seem on brand with the character that she would not only for that to happen but she like planned for that to happen like she suspected that this could happen that didn't feel in line with this character who was just drop like in the driver's seat the whole time even in situations where it appeared like she was so vulnerable and susceptible shockingly i agree <laughs> wow 
uh, a first for uh, for our, wow. our guest appearances. Wow, what a moment! <laughs> Here we are, April twenty twenty three. That that was the true arc of the trilogy. Pat and yeah, I become friends that was again. <laughs> right there. <laughs> I love that 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 I agree was prefaced with shockingly. <laughs> that was great. That was great. That's so fascinating. Um, because it sounds like Pat, what you're saying is that for what you knew about this person is that she's thought through and carefully planned each step of like every chap every step chapter that we've seen. She's always had a careful plan in place, and so. Um, I think it sounds like you interpret it as like she didn't expect that this would happen or that she was expecting that this would happen and was okay with it. I'm surprised that the character would suspect that that could happen. And not have a plan. And not, yeah. And given how thought out all of her other, like, scenarios were specifically with Allison Bree and the Dean. I mean, there was like steps and coordination and all kinds of things that had to go into that. And so you could tell she is very diligent in her process. <laughs> and I feel like with her setting up all these uh, scheduled texts to go back to Sarah's comment, just felt like she threw her diligence out the window. And was like, whatever's going to happen, it's going to happen. Mm. That's so interesting. Yeah, I the, on the second viewing, I, I, I was thinking about this a lot more too because what I remembered actually was in that final scene, um, my wrong impression was that she was actually going there to take Al out. And upon the second viewing, I was like, actually, she wasn't going there to kill him. She, she was going there to like carve his name into his body. Um, yeah. But she really wasn't there to take him out. And the fact that she – it almost as if, like, she'd given herself over to this larger mission. And I, I wonder that that scene where she watches the tape and realizes that Ryan was a part of it, I feel like was um, this, like, big turning point that I didn't really, like, see as, as significant um, the first time around, which is the fact that Ryan, who seemed like this guy that she – finally could trust that she thought was a good guy and then turned out not to be I think that just like sowed this like hopelessness in her that she's like I'm just like what else do I have to do other than to like give myself over to this and this will be the way that I like reclaim my story but there's just so much that she'd been carrying up until that point and then to like have that final moment where you're like willing to trust someone again and then have that like taken away and like confirm everything that you're fighting against. I think, um, I didn't, I didn't really pick up on that the first time around. And I, that was my reading the second time around is that like, it's actually a tragedy. She's, she was like willing to give herself over to this. And that was her way to like tell the rest of her story is she's almost united now with Nina in them both fighting for something, but ultimately being martyrs at the end of it. Um, which is like, I think a more tragic reading yeah. sure, of this ending, but it, I think it makes a little bit more sense than incongruent with what we've seen with the rest of the character. I mean, I, I, I kind of agree, but that's just, it's... you agreed yeah, with think... me a minute ago. Don't you, don't you backtrack on that? 
I just think that's a very bleak, uh, like ending first of all and it's like mm-hmm. sort of like cinematographically like dissonant like with what we're seeing on screen like like the music and everything at the actual end of like the text is mm-hmm. like this is like a triumph uh but in reality both these women are dead and it's like there's like you know it's a bleak outlook of like you know <laughs> the the I don't know, the outcome of like trauma survivors and like mm-hmm. rape survivors is suicide. Like that's the, the way out basically. That's the, I think that's where it doesn't work for me. Um, which, you know, I don't know. Part of me thinks I'm overthinking it. <laughs> Sarah, what are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, what was your interpretation of that ending? Yeah, it's it's interesting because I I see where Nate and Pat, you guys are are coming from. It it I feel like it didn't work as well for me upon second viewing. Um, but it's also one of those where I don't know how I would change it. Um, and so I I remember after we watched it when it came out, I I read like an article and it it talked about seeing Cassie like an addict. And so she's like managing her addiction for most of the movie. And then it looks like she's starting to like go into recovery, get rid of the revenge. And then she falls back in hard. And so this is her, her demise and she, she succumbs to this addiction. And so I, I think when I interpret the movie through that lens, it, it feels more, coherent and like congruous to me um but i think without that framing it does the ending does feel a little dissonant with the rest of the movie uh but i think like the rest of the movie is so strong that that doesn't bother me as much but i i definitely see where you guys are coming from yeah i think for for me an ending that would have felt more in line. So it was interesting that, cause they didn't have to go this route that the, like the main like guy, um, rapist abuser guy is now like settling down and getting married. Um, it would have felt to, at least to me more in line if she like somehow played that video at his wedding like in a backdrop so that everybody could see him and his friends and have an understanding and just like, you know, destroy them from the inside out because she, she had this way about her of like injecting fear into people. And that was kind of like, the way she maneuvered with the guys in the beginning with McLovin, it was like, she scared them so like to the core and had them so rattled that they had to just sit there in their shame and in their like, what the fuck just happened Ness. And so. Not just that, but uh, awareness, injecting awareness into people, I think. Right. Right. And so my thought would be like an attack of character. And so my 
my thought would have been that it would have been more in line with that type of execution of I'm going to destroy your life from the inside out with this awareness, with, with this showcase of who you actually are to your peers and your loved ones and so on. Yeah. I think I would have liked that ending better, to be honest. I, I don't know how I would have script doctored it either, but uh, yeah, good. Well done, Pat. Good attempt. <laughs> why are you being so nice to me today? I don't know. Why are you doing, why are you doing so good today? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you two are very much aligned today. Yeah. The sun must arose from the west. Uh... But I think what she's focused on isn't necessarily trying to expose them to other people or shaming them. Because like so many of the things she sets up is more about less about like catching catching them in the moment and more about like can you see from another perspective now how this must feel and Mm -hmm. so while it's it's searing and it's it's definitely spicy but it's more inviting them to see from another perspective and when they they can't themselves she's like putting them in a simulated situation that kind of shows and reveals that because if you think about it like so many of the things that she sets sets up they aren't actually ruining the careers of these people they aren't actually putting these people in danger and she's very deliberate about um not really truly harming them right but it's more a moment of like imagine what this would have been like if this had been true for you like with a friend waking up in the hotel room with a guy she didn't actually put her friend, her ex-friend in a um, compromising situation, but it was, it was more like, can you now imagine what it must have been like for Nina? And now you can empathize. And I think I didn't, it felt a lot more like harsh and vindictive the first time around watching it. But the second time around, I was like, she's actually not, she's not intentionally trying to hurt people. It's more like, let me invite you into a space where you can walk in another shoes for even five seconds and like play this out in your mind. And now you're, you're different. Like you will, you've seen and been aware of what, what another person's perspective is. So I, I don't know if ex, like exposing them. I mean, we've seen, we saw the two of them like soothe each other, be like, it's not your fault. Like we'll deal with it, you know? And it's, so it's like, I'm like, those two, I don't know if they're capable of empathizing, but like yeah they would have gone on the defensive you know or like exposing them is more fearing them into changing their beliefs versus them really truly empathizing and understanding in a moment of reflection i'm gonna challenge that cordially because i think that part (laughs) of part of the reason she ended up on this path was because she she couldn't get justice for nina and it took a toll on her. She drops out of school. She has, um, you know, emotional and, and mental um, kind of consequences that come from that. And it feels very much like, well, I can't get justice specifically for Nina. So she goes into like this vigilante mode. I think having the means available to her, even though it's later, to get justice directly for Nina and having that video, I think she still would have done it. I think the, the stepped back kind of vigilante approach, I think that that worked because it's what she had available to her. 
and I I would imagine that she would have because and she did like with the video like utilize it once that was available to her. Um. Yeah. So, but I do agree with your point about like presenting the scenarios from a different perspective, and I still think that that could have been done without the ending going the way that it did um such that she lives and the guys with the extremely punchable faces don't at least for the few minutes that it feels like they won feel like they win so another idea is to make that moment when she sees the video and everything changes like more dramatic because I think if that happens and you can see like oh no like she was in control before but she's out of control now and then it leads her down this destructive path maybe that would have felt more like correct for the character even though it still ends in tragedy I, I think if that moment when she sees the video and she decides on this course of action if that had gone just a little bit differently maybe the ending would have been set up a little bit better I don't know something that I didn't feel or remember like noticing the first time around as much is the significance of Ryan specifically being in that video and her hearing his voice and that being part of the the grief of that moment, it's one, obviously seeing that video in and of itself and like that bringing up all of this like anger and rage and and pain in her. But two, I think this whole Ryan storyline intersecting is so key. It's probably the reason why the movie spends so much time in this like rom-com unfolding of their story because for someone who has seen the, the dudes in her life wreak so much havoc and for her to like finally be willing to like trust and give this guy a chance like she'd gone on a a, like a such a big emotional journey to get there and then for Ryan to then be in that video like I think that detail is so important to that moment the the movie could have not had him be intersecting with that storyline and just been like here's a character where she's she's beginning to date again and trust and um Mm -hmm. whatnot but that like crumbling of like, I'm going to give this person a chance. And then they turn out to be exactly like everything that else that I knew. I feel like that letdown, um, I think helps feed the emotional arc of the sec, the ending scene. Yeah. I still feel like that would have like that, that anger and that like heartache and rage still would have propelled her to, facilitate this big scenario of awareness of like I'm gonna expose you and burn like burn your life to the ground um in like a very intentional thoughtful deliberate as her earlier scenarios were type of way Hmm. like your career's ruined none of you are doctors anymore you're like, mm. you know, as the credits roll, we know that they're going to end up on the sex offender registry and it, the ones who aren't in jail. Like it's, it's a wrap for you guys. Ah, uh, so you're like the Cassie I know is far more cunning than what we got. Like, you're like, like, 
could have done better, girl. Like we we've seen you. I see. What you're, I I think I see what you're saying now. I think that would have been a more satisfying ending for me. I don't think. Uh, I'm so like against this ending in terms of like it's out of character for her. Um, I think it's more just like the overall message of the movie feels like muddled by an ending where the trauma survivors are dead, (laughs) I guess for me. Um, And like there's triumphant music playing in the background like that. That's where it falls apart for me. Um, That's fair. I, I want to switch gears a little bit and I'm curious other people, everyone else's uh, perspective on this, but I think I didn't love the dynamic that was created between Cassie and her parents. Um, It felt undercooked to me in that, you know, there's a lot of her interactions are this, like, they want me to move out and like, they want me to get my life together. Um, And then kind of at the end, they just throw you this like, moment of emotional disconnection that is like oh we love nina like a daughter but we've missed you too and i wish that that had kind of been more of the focal point of that relationship but that just kind of came in right at the end just to sour the fact that her dying you know just add a add a little more a little more wood onto the fire of disappointment that that is the ending is that oh now her parents who were just feeling hopeful about her coming back into the version of herself that they know their daughter now have to mourn that in addition to just mourning her. But that felt like it was just kind of thrown in at the last minute before she turns into, you know, her last chapter of conquest here. Um, I mean, I actually liked the relationship with the parents, but I think, I think, in general we kind of agree again i do think it muddies like the message of the film because it adds more to like the tragedy and like takes away from the triumph because uh yeah i I thought uh the father's line especially uh that you just said uh about like we loved her as a daughter but we miss you so much um just like adds more sting to her kind of like uh, as you put it sarah succumbing to her addiction um so I think the wedding scene, especially now that I think about it is where it all falls apart. Cause it's like such a bleak ending and like having, <laughs> having just like this one guy get carried away by the police and like, uh, I forget what the Schmidt song was. is running into the forest. <laughs> yeah. It just like, doesn't, it, it doesn't reverse the bleakness. <laughs> Maybe there's, there's more to unpack there. Uh, I guess that's that we we have probably been circling around this, but it's really like this movie is setting us up to believe that it's going to be a triumph, but it's not interested in being a triumph. It is to me, it's a tragedy. This movie has a tragic ending, and that fast diversion in that cabin scene was like not what I expected at all. But it's. It's that's why I think this it makes this movie so good because it does subvert that expectation of like she triumphs with this like violent retribution, um, 
was like, no, yet again, this guy, because he is stronger, just can dominate and overpower her. You know, like yeah. the the thing that she was fighting against, she she also can't. So it, it's such a play with our expectations, though, because we see her as this vigilante for so long. I agree. I think that's a good ending, but like, you know, it actually ends on like exciting Mm. music and like a zoom in on a a winky face uh, text emoji. That is how it actually ends. And it's like, no, you didn't earn that. That's, that's the movie that you just abandoned like three (laughs) scenes ago. (laughs) So if they committed to the cabin scene and then just cut that wedding scene, this would have worked better for you, Nate. Uh, I think it would work Just better. Fun. I don't know how it would be. Oh, if they committed to the cabin scene, like if it was Matt, just cabin tragedy. scene, cabin scene, Schmidt and whatever his other name, Al Monroe yeah. character, going yeah. to bury the body. And oh, they didn't bury the body; they burned the body. Let's also just add insult to injury there, of just like the fact that they could stand there and watch a human being's body be burned. Yeah. and feel nothing and be totally apathetic to it um because then it's not like i'm not gonna take us down a loophole of of body disposal semantics but i feel like when people are buried it's like okay now the thing's done and we're leaving to go that route it's like y'all have to post up there to make <laughs> sure that it's done so you're willing to just be there just breathing that in and seeing it and bullshitting yourselves about how you're, you know, you're the victim of this scenario. And it furthers the tragedy of of it, in my opinion. And you see them just like reassuring each other, like it was an accident. This is not your fault. Like she was coming for you. And you, then you can just imagine and play back to when it unfolded with Nina the way that they just like validate each other's like, yeah, you know, twisted mentalities. It's yeah, and like start to believe do, it themselves too. Just yeah, I do think that that was powerful, so uh, and I also liked that it. Uh, one of the more uh, interesting like reviews I read says it like flips the like the stripper dies at the bachelor party trope to like looking at it from the perspective of like the actual person who died um, to a certain extent, which is like uh, also very good. There's a lot to like about this movie. Uh, Can we also give a shout out to Laverne Cox for just always being comedic relief wherever she goes and just being such a great fit for the coffee shop owner slash best friend. Yes, she's great. That coffee shop. Okay, what did what did you guys think about like the costuming, the set design, all of the like stylization around that? Did I think the stylization and... and the visuals were like my favorite part. One of my favorite parts. Mm. Like that offset. That was my my whole thing with this movie. Is I felt like it had so much goodness going for it, and then it feels like it just got kind of yanked down and averaged out for me like at the end yeah so it's the ending that actually is overshadowing like up until that ending you were with it pat mm-hmm. okay. and then, was, you know, when, yeah and when you look at the 
the movie end to end, that's kind of why to me it's like, well, it was okay. Without having, you know, a fully fleshed out hour long conversation about it, that would be how I would, my one sentence comment to a person in an elevator. But to your point, the stylization was great. That was one of my, the highlights for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree. I liked it a lot. Uh, I liked how the whole thing felt candy coated. Um, I like that, uh, you know, there's a lot of sort of like feminine iconography that's used in like, um, uh, uh, as you know, more like strength and stuff. Like it subverts your expectations in that way. Like she, um, dresses up like very feminine and she's in control of every situation and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was great. So many bows. <laughs> and I love that the cinematography is so intentional about doing this like pan up on our hairstyle with a close-up of the bow, right? As she's like about to ring the doorbell, you know, like it, it's like, we go make sure you go and see this. <laughs> and, um, the stylization was just like so fresh and so fascinating. Um, and like you mentioned, I, li- I like the way you phrased it, Nate, around like reclaiming the strength around that. It's often seen as this like soft and feminine style, but she is a total badass and can uh, wear and rock that and they can be together in one person. I love that it was also a way to visually show like her own arrested development like because it was very like young looking like very like bright colorful dresses the bows like that's not what you would typically expect like a 30 year old woman to wear so I love that even in her the way that she was dressed and her hair choices when she was just her and not her vigilante persona, you see this like youthfulness and this kind of stuckness that she's not actually maybe not like dressing her age. And so it almost shows you like there's something else going on there. And I just thought that was an interesting way to use color and wardrobe to, to show maybe some of what's going on inside of her. I didn't think about that. I didn't either. That's a really good point. Yeah. Good observation. Yeah, I didn't thought about that either, especially in her bedroom too. I noticed it most in her bedroom. Like it's a lot of the very, very youthful childhood decor. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Any other last thoughts before we wrap up for Promising Young Woman? Last thoughts. Uh, I I didn't know anything about this movie before watching it. Like uh-huh. really anything. I just knew that we were watching it. Uh, and uh, we get like six or seven minutes in and she's like uh, wasted at this guy's apartment and like he's taking advantage and I was like fuck I am not ready to watch this I like paused it and went for a walk (laughs) and then like and then uh, like there's the realization that she's sober and I was like oh wow okay all right ah so you didn't watch any anything like literally no, went no. In. yeah i just went in blind that's amazing which is also Actually, like i think i may have been a little bit subversion fatigued at the end of the movie also because like there's quite a few like along the way uh <laughs> if you if you haven't seen the trailers or anything like that <laughs> mm. i 
realize I didn't know what I was going into before I started it. Obviously, like Nate said, I knew we were watching it and going to talk about it. And then when I heard the conversation with the guys at the bar in the opening scene about like, like basically, why is she doing that to herself? She needs to be safe. Yeah. Like she's asking for like, you know, that whole thing. Seeing the way she was kind of sprawled out on that bench or booth or whatever, I was like, oh, I've seen the trailer to this movie. But it stopped it knowing that it was about a woman who was, mm. for lack of a better term, like the vigilante part of the story, mm. like going going around and putting like these men into these scenarios of awareness and yeah, like fear. And the trailer if I remember back correctly, watching the trailer too, sets it up to be a revenge thriller. It, it like leans so heavily into that. It has the um, strings version of toxic playing in the trailer as well. So you like primed for a certain ending. And so like the fact that it subverts that is like a total, I think shock for a lot of people because it's, you kind of know where you think it's going to go. And uh, it takes a left turn. Um, but yeah, the, the, the movie itself, I think in the marketing leads into it being a, like a revenge thriller as well. The, uh, the two posters, the taglines are take her home and take your chances and revenge never Mm -hmm. looked so promising. Mm -hmm. So yeah, they weren't Mm -hmm. trying to hide it whatsoever. Yeah. Which I wonder if it does or doesn't help the way that this movie is received i mean by the time you're on the journey you also probably think you're on that ride as well but the fact that it takes such a hard left turn at the ending i i think it it's kind of it's it takes time to like swallow that a little bit you know because you're just so primed for some this thing that you thought was going to unfold happen and when it doesn't do that you're like wait now i need to go like rewind this back um and so I wonder if even with the marketing too, it leaning so heavily into that, like, I don't know if it, if it, the fact that it's such a surprise ending helps it or makes it harder to process. I don't know. But it's yeah. Weird. If I knew also, what I know now, I would have given myself more than a day to uh, <laughs> sit with this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so are we are we supposed to relate this to men or House of Darkness in some way? Like, uh, how, how do we how do we call back and complete the trilogy here? I will say that uh, the two ten minute scenes uh, with her and McLovin and uh, the first guy were like, uh, you know, a perfect ten minutes of what the entire runtime of House of Darkness was trying to do. <laughs> Yes. And in, and in turn, they were able to do so much more. <laughs> yeah. But they didn't quite do as much as men did. Interpret that how you will. More shocking ending. Last 10 minutes of men or last 10 minutes of promising young woman. I think shocking is not the right word. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still traumatized by the ending of men. So... Uh-huh. And I'm not traumatized by the ending of Promising Young Woman. I'm sad, but I'm not traumatized. I do find it interesting that I think, I think, 
uh, y'all felt like the ending of Men was bleaker than like Pat and I did. And I think there's been sort of a reversal with this movie, at least initially. I don't know if your opinions have changed, but um, yeah, uh, that that's sort of like an interesting mm. difference there. Yeah, that is true. I'm trying to think back to it the ending of men now and put myself into that headspace that I never want to be in. <laughs> Ever. Yeah. I think it, it felt more hopeless that it was like, this is just how it is like that. This is just generationally like, I, I, I don't know. That feels yeah. far more like definitive and like, this is like far more passive too, you know? Yeah. It's like a, I guess the, I don't know, the women being like the the ones we see at the end, like smiling and there's like, you know, one of them's with child is like more optimistic oh, than, yeah. than. This one where both of the women are, are... no longer. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully we never have to talk about or reference men ever again. It's 2023, Pat. You never stop at a trilogy. Oh, this I, is true. I save all of that. This is a franchise sure. now. Yeah. No. <laughs> all of that We're about to be the Fast and Furious yeah. cinematic universe. They just make 15 movies. Huh? Oh, goodness. I'm going to save all of that for the Scream franchise and slasher stuff and not this. Yeah. Because I don't even want to know what our our further entries for this uh, franchise would look like. I mean, this was a great movie. Like, in, in general, I very much enjoyed it, and I enjoyed thinking about it. Uh, uh, yeah. Same. It's really only one bad entry in, in this trilogy so far. <laughs> it was mean. We can all agree. <laughs> oh, man. Well, it's... It was really fascinating to hear both of your thoughts um, in our men conversation. And it's been so just illuminating and interesting to hear your thoughts on Promising Young Woman as well. And I suppose our conversation about House of Darkness was, I don't even remember what we talked about, but I'm sure know. it was great as well. I didn't mean to go back. I don't know how you made an episode out of that. It must I have been like we... 15 minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> I think we spent the last like, 15, 20 minutes of that, just like shooting the shit about, I don't yeah. even remember what, but like about movies in general or something. <laughs> um, I think one last thing to, to yeah. point out that yeah. I know we touched on, I think initially when we were watching or reviewing men was that uh, both of the previous entries were written and directed by men in this which I think we all agree was the best execution was the only one that was helmed mm -hmm. by a woman. True. Yeah. I love that you point that out because I think that like the main story arc that we see is from a woman's perspective and it's very much about her seeking justice or redemption or peace or something. And most of men, especially men, was focused on all of the male characters and like that. I remember in our conversation we talked about how that um, the main female protagonist, played by um, Jesse Buckley, like 
we don't know anything about her other than she's just like here on a little staycation. Like we we learn very little about who she as a is as a person outside of the context of her in relationship to her ex. No, that's true. No, I, I, I uh, my only thought is that like I think men was focused on oh. like uh just trauma and abuse in general and i think the character aspects were i think a little less important like we don't really know anything Mm -hmm. about the men either they're just sort of archetypes um it was just more about like the uh sort of the feelings and the themes and the 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 visceral nature of of abuse and trauma um Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it is a good point like we, we don't know anything about the the female protagonist. Emerald Fennel was able to make us feel something while watching this movie without the need for apples fucking falling from trees <laughs> for no reason at all. Disagree. <laughs> and there goes all the good products <laughs> over the course of this episode. No, no. World order is restored. Another bad episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, please not. <laughs> the cry of desperation from Pat. No, please no. <laughs> I felt that. It's okay. We won't put you through that. We will reference it at some point. I'm sure. Men, there's just such a memorable experience. How could we not? Yeah, I mean that in of itself is like. Plus, getting to instigating. (laughs) Yeah. We will take that opportunity any day. Cordially. 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 I think we should should wrap this episode before I start going off about the lighthouse again. Cordially. (laughs) And the mermaid. Yeah. Let's let, I'm, we're going straight into the outro. All right. Well, this is our review and discussion of Promising Young Woman. You can find it available to stream on Amazon Prime, Prime Video. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Movies and Us. And thank you, Nate and Pat, for joining us. Always, always a good time. Always good conversations together. Uh, our name sums it up. We're all about movies and the powerful ways we can connect with each other and the world around us. This podcast is about all of us and our shared stories. So everyone is welcome here. And we're so glad you hung out with us today. You can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you tune into your favorite shows drop us a review letting us know your thoughts about promising young women you can connect with us on instagram and twitter at movies and us pod or you can email us at movies and us pod at gmail.com we will be back next week to discuss the film air we hope you have an amazing week and we'll see you soon